I'm Jeff Baker of the Seattle Times, and you're listening to Hard Count, a regular podcast all about the world of sports business. So strap yourselves in and get ready for some candid talk about the world of sports and the money behind them. And welcome to Hard Count for Wednesday, April 5th, 2017. Coming up a bit later on in the podcast, we'll have Seattle Sounders goalkeeper Stefan Fry talking about what winning the MLS Cup championship means from a business perspective, both for the team, which actually launched a, a new clothing line last week along with the MLS, uh, a limited edition clothing line by uh, reigning champ. Um, we'll talk about that and about uh, you know that famous save that Fry made last season in the MLS Cup Championship game, which is now being distributed all over the world. And we'll talk about whether or not he's made any money at all off of the uh, the imaging of that save. Um, but our, I want our main our main focus in this show is going to be on a study that was done out of New York by the uh, Brand Keys consulting firm. Um, and, and I've had their president on this podcast before, but Brand Keys is run by a longtime, longtime New York uh, business fixture, Robert Pasikoff, who has worked with leagues, he's worked with teams, worked with advertisers uh, when it comes to the loyalty uh, that, that fans have to sports brands. And he found they, they've run this loyalty survey every year. Uh, it's done, uh, it's the 25th time that Brand Keys has run this survey. It's done both at a league level and a team level. And it tries to show which leagues have the most loyal fans and which teams have the most loyal fans. And they put the team results out uh, according to whatever season's about to start in the four major sports leagues. We're not counting soccer here. We're counting the four major sports leagues in America, the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, and NHL. And so it was interesting. They put out the survey results uh, this past week uh, in accordance with the start of the baseball season. And it actually found that Major League Baseball is now number one among the four team sports at having the most loyal fans. Now, if you read my column, Inside Sports Business, which runs every Monday in the Seattle Times, you'll see that I wrote about this. It's a very unusual happening. It's been a decade since Major League Baseball has been at the top of these standings. Uh, you know, it's almost always the National Football League that has the most loyal fans, according to the survey. And, you know, it's not just any survey. It's a survey of over 17,000 fans, almost 18,000 fans nationwide in, in all the various markets uh, that have sports teams. And so the NFL, which is always number one, has now dropped down to number three in one year, which is very unusual. You don't move up and down the loyalty rankings usually year to year by all that much. So baseball jumped up from number two to number one and football dropped from number one to number three. And I found that very interesting. And I wanted to have Pasikoff on to go into it in more detail uh, because, you know, it's an interesting finding given what's happened in the National Football League and what's happened off the field with Major League Baseball for much of the last six months, 12 months or so. And so uh, we, we will have an in-depth conversation on that coming up in just a little bit of time. Now, included in that survey is also are also the various individual team results that were compiled during the, the Brand Keys survey. And you might remember from a year ago, we wrote about this survey when it was having the 24th annual version of it. And at that time, the Seattle Mariners were dead last among all the baseball teams in terms of fan loyalty. Now, I know that some fans here in Seattle got their backs up about that. Uh, they got a little sensitive. They, they felt they were being accused of being disloyal. But no, if you'd actually read the story and read what the survey is about, it, it measures the, the engagement level of fans, the amount of loyalty relative to what fans of other teams have. It's not saying that fans had to be more loyal in this market. It was saying that the team has to do more 
to engender that fan loyalty, which I, I don't think is a novel concept to sports fans in just about any market. For some reason, it was over here. But, you know, let's face it. The Mariners have the longest uh, playoff drought in Major League Baseball going into this season, 15 years and counting. And really, at this time a year ago, they were coming off a pretty bad season, a very disappointing season. And not surprisingly, their loyalty hit an all-time low. I mean, they, they've, been, they've been flirting around the bottom, the, the bottom third of baseball for, for the longest time in terms of loyalty, probably even the bottom five teams in terms of, 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 of the, the least amount of loyalty when it comes to the rest of baseball. And last year, they, hit, they bottomed out. They hit number 30. Well, this year, it's changed a little. This year, the team did some things right. I mean, this past season, they won 86 games. They flirted with a playoff spot right up until the final weekend of the season. And they actually vaulted eight spots in the list up to number 23. Now, we're not going to throw them any parades based off of that, uh, hopefully. Uh, we're not, we're not going to pop any champagne corks. They're still only number 23 out of number 30. But moving eight spots in this survey is actually a pretty big deal. It doesn't happen all that often. So I'm going to talk to Pasikoff a bit about why he thinks that might have happened. Now, keep in mind, he's from New York. He doesn't follow the Mariners all that closely. Um, but, you know, we, we had a little bit of a discussion about why that might be and some ideas tossed around. And, you know, let's face it, Robinson Cano has now been here. This would be his fourth year with the Mariners. Uh, you got Nelson Cruz entering his uh, third year with the Mariners. You've got Felix Hernandez already there. That, that, that's, and Kyle Seeger uh, and Hisashi Iwakuma. I mean, you've got quite a few familiar faces on this Mariners team now, finally, that are starting to register, that are starting to be here longer term, and that can actually produce on the field. You know, we didn't have that. Back when I covered the Mariners from 2000 and late 2006 through 2013, I mean, they were a revolving door of players. You hardly had anybody that stayed here for more than a season or two that was any good. You know, you had a lot of prospects they, they tried not to give up on, but that didn't amount to anything and that hardly reached anything, res, re, re, you know, resembling an all-star level here in Seattle. But that's changed now. You, you have that quartet I just mentioned, maybe five players with Iwakuma. I mean, that's more than a lot of teams have. And that's feeding into some of the loyalty, I think, that we're seeing. Uh, the, the bond, I guess you could say, the attachment that Mariners fans are feeling towards this team you know, compared to fans of other teams that might, you know, be perennial losers or that might not have made the playoffs in 15 years. It's very unusual to jump eight spots in these, in these annual rankings. So, Pasikov, we're, we're going to discuss, touch on a bit of the reasons why, because I, I think it's interesting. You know, I think Mariners fans have put up with a lot over the years. They've put up with a ton of stuff. And as you're going to hear in a bit, I mean, they, their, their payroll hasn't really moved up relative to the rest of baseball at all from last year. They're still at number 12 overall out of the 30 teams. Their payroll went up from 142 million to 154 million, but every team's payroll in baseball goes up every year now because there's just money flooding into the game. So inflation is very high in baseball. So the Mariners jumped 12 million in their opening day payroll, but they didn't move any spots overall. And that might be playing into it. You know, they've been middle tier in payroll for going back as far as, you know, I can remember. Probably uh, it's been about a decade or so since they actually cracked the top tier. Uh, and, and, you know, there's been people that have suggested, me included, I'll suggest it right now, that they could be doing more to spend on, on some more guaranteed production, some more depth for that starting rotation of theirs. And, you know, we're two games into the season already. They're 0-2, and they've already lost Drew Smiley for the next two months. They've already got Felix Hernandez hobbling around on a sore groin. You know, it's not, not the greatest start for the team, and, and this isn't hindsight. This isn't 2020 hindsight that I'm bringing to you here. Lots of people, myself included, Lots of other people in this town suggested they could have done more to bolster their starting pitching depth, and that costs money. 
unfortunately, it costs money. So if they miss the playoffs again by a game or two this year, it'll be fair game once again to ask whether or not they could be spending more money like a top-tier payroll team, um, you know, considering the money they're bringing in, both via their television contract and via their stadium that taxpayers built for them uh, back in 1999. It's fair questions, especially when a team hasn't made the playoffs in 15 years. So that said, their fans are very loyal. I mean, you see it. To move up eight spots based on a near wildcard miss last year from number 30, that's still a considerable um, feat by Mariners fans to do. There has to be loyalty from those fans in order to make a jump like that in this loyalty ranking. Uh, and so I, I think it's worth going into a little more in depth with Robert Pasikoff, which I did. And you'll hear that coming up in just a little bit on the show. But first, as we do every week, let's open up our sports business vault and we'll grab out some of the headlines that have been making news in the world of sports business, both locally and nationally. The Vault. A new survey shows fans in the United States are more loyal to Major League Baseball than any of the country's four major team sports. In its 25th annual Fan Loyalty Index survey published this week, New York consulting firm Brand Keys announced that MLB had topped its list for the first time in over a decade. The National Football League has held down the top spot for years, but this year it fell to number three, trailing both baseball and the NBA. The National Hockey League was once again fourth. Brand Keys surveyed nearly 18,000 so-called avid sports fans in markets nationwide to come up with the results. On an individual team basis, the Chicago Cubs placed number one among MLB teams for the sports brand that fans show the most loyalty to. The Seattle Mariners, dead last a year ago in the survey, moved up eight spots to number three this time around, mainly because of the team's near playoff showing of a year ago. We'll have Brand Keys president Robert Pasikoff on the podcast to discuss the survey in just a few minutes. And speaking of the Mariners, opening day salaries for all 30 Major League teams were released this week, and as was the case a year ago, the Mariners are opening with the 12th highest payroll in all of Major League Baseball. The Mariners actually increased their payroll by 8% from $142 million to $154 million, but because of annual salary inflation, the team was unable to move up any higher relative to its Major League peers. The Mariners have the third highest payroll out of five teams in their division, trailing the $173 million being spent by the Texas Rangers and the $164 million being spent by the Los Angeles Angels. The Los Angeles Dodgers once again lead all of baseball with a payroll of $225 million, down from $234 million a year ago. Most surprising to a lot of observers is that the New York Yankees no longer have the number two payroll in baseball. They fell to number three at $195 million, trailing the number two Detroit Tigers at $199 million. The Associated Press released the figures as it does at this time every season. The Seattle Sounders soccer team last week held a downtown function celebrating its inclusion in the latest Reigning Champ line of clothing. The Reigning Champ line is produced by a Vancouver, British Columbia company and since 2004 has sold four limited edition clothing items for each year's MLS Cup champion. The online portion of this year's Sounders clothing sold out in just a few hours. Additional clothing was made available for sale in the Sounders team store. The clothing included an MLS Cup championship star alongside the gray and black material that reigning champ uses with its other merchandise, including apparel made for NBA teams. The Sounders and MLS will split proceeds from sales of the clothing. 
Sounder spokesman Alex Caulfield said the team was honored merely to be included in the clothing line as a result of its championship last December. Well, I think from a club perspective, this is a benefit of being the reigning champion and then to have a, a clothing line that commemorates uh, that t- memorable moment from 2016 and winning the club's first MLS Cup. It's a big deal for the club and it's something that uh, is an honor and uh, it's a first in a lot of ways. So first MLS Cup in 2016, first March and Rally and championship celebration, all that, and now the reigning champ clothing line. I think from a club perspective, that, that's a cool thing. We caught up with Sounders goalkeeper Stefan Fry at the event and chatted with him about what it meant to be part of it. We'll have that interview coming up a bit later on in the podcast. The vault. A report last week in the Puget Sound Business Journal gave further details about the Port of Seattle spending up to $185,000 on a consulting contract that includes campaigning in favor of renovating Key Arena. The report says the deal with Seattle firm Cease, Bain and East is for one year with a renewal option for two more years. Terms of the deal do not require the company, also known as CBE Strategic, to register its agents as lobbyists. The Port of Seattle has long opposed a rival project in Soto District pitched by entrepreneur Chris Hansen, but the port says the consulting deal was in the works well before the City of Seattle announced it would launch a process to study proposals aimed at renovating the Key Arena site instead. Those proposals are due out next week. And finally, results of a new poll released by the American Gaming Association says that 48% of Seahawks fans are in favor of lifting a federal law on sports betting. The study also says only 17% of Seahawks fans favor maintaining the law. Another 35% of fans said they either didn't know whether they supported legalized sports betting or had no opinion on the matter. 52% of Seahawks fans told the poll they believed regulating and taxing sports betting would generate revenue for education and public safety programs. And another 47% of Seahawks fans said they'd be more likely to watch a game if they could place a bet on it. The study was done on behalf of the AGA by Morning Consult, which conducted the online survey of 1,334 Seahawks fans from December 19th of last year through January 4th of this year. Results have a margin of error of plus or minus 3%. The AGA represents this country's casino interests nationwide and has been lobbying federal officials to end the 1992 law that outlaws sports betting in most states outside of Nevada. All right, lock her up. Let's get that thing locked up nice and tight for another week, and we'll be back with more next week in the world of sports business and some of the headlines that you're paying attention to both locally and nationally. And now, as promised, let's move on to our interview segment. I caught up with Sounders goalkeeper Stefan Fry last week at the 90 Club in downtown Seattle in the Pioneer Square area. And we talked about that night's launch of the reigning champ clothing line, which the Sounders get to be a part of because they're the reigning MLS Cup champions. So I chatted with Fry a bit about the business of soccer and uh, some of the money he is and isn't entitled to uh, as part of that huge save he made in last year's MLS Cup championship game. We also talked a lot about what it means for him to be a champion now in MLS uh, here with the Sounders Club that he's become a fixture of. So let's listen to the interview. All right, I'm here with uh, Stefan Fry, Seattle Sounders goalkeeper here at the 90 Club where uh, they're, they're launching the reigning champ clothing line to commemorate the team's MLS Cup victory. Um, Stefan, what, what was it, what's it like just being here now knowing that, that it's here to honor you guys for, for accomplishing something like this on the field? 
Uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, not only does the gear look good, but uh, it actually has some meaning for you know. I think for our fans, for for us players as well. You know, I mean, we made some some history last year, and uh, what better way to uh, like you're saying commemorate that that history with uh, some awesome gear? Now you've had a little bit of time now to dissect the victory. I mean, you really didn't before training camp. You you were running around all over the place with the national team um, in January, and then and then uh, you made it over to training camp. Have you had a chance to really experience what it's like to be a champion? Do you have people coming up to you here in Seattle and congratulating you? What's what's that been like? Yeah, there's there's a little bit more recognition. Uh, um, you know, the whole safe thing got blown out of proportion a little bit. It was uh, 100% a team a team effort, and that's what got us the the star. But uh, yeah, you know, there's people that that. Uh, it, that are thankful for, for what we achieved and uh, it's really nice to see that uh, you know the, the, the kind of impact that you can have as a soccer player you know we, we always knew that our fans our community is is uh, 100% behind us and uh, our success uh, or, or what we do on the pitch and off the pitch is uh, is uh, has tremendous value uh, to them um, so it's really nice to, to reward them with uh, the history that they uh, deserved um, and uh, for me yeah it's you know it was uh, once, once we won the whole thing, it was uh, it was chaos for a while, and uh, even to this to this day, you know, you have to pinch yourself uh, sometimes and say, "Well, we, did we did we do, really do it?" Because uh, there wasn't uh, really that much time for us to digest what had happened. Uh, I mean, uh, before you knew it, January was uh, was was there, and uh, you had to prepare for for uh, preseason camp again. And um, as we know, uh, you know, this season, every every tackle, every inch, every every point has to be earned again. So uh, um, we have that uh, new task ahead of us and we're fully uh, fully uh, focused on that. Now, speaking of the save, I have to ask you this because it is a sports business podcast. Um, our photographer at the Seattle Times, Lindsay Watson, uh, took that photo of you making that save in the MLS Cup uh, championship game against Toronto. Um, I got to ask, do you, do you get any royalties or anything from that photograph uh, with your likeness being spread around the world like it has? No, I mean, I get... Uh, you know, I get I get recognized more because because of that photo, I'd say. Um, but it, it's I mean, it's a huge honor. Like I said, uh, it's been a childhood dream for me to to be able to make history like this, and um, and we achieved it as a team. And uh, I think uh, the struggles and uh, that we went through in that roller coaster season before. We made that late push into the playoffs. Um, is what made it so special, you know. I think uh, it's going to stick with us uh, for the rest of our lives. I think with the fans as well. Um, it's the first one history. Obviously, we want to add more to them, but I think the first one has some special meaning. Um, uh, and, and like I said, for me, it was a childhood dream. And uh, for people to to look at pictures, have me sign pictures of that save, or uh, I see people get tattoos of that save, um, I, I'm just honored. I'm honored to be part of it, and um, and I'm, I'm I'm happy that people are happy about it. Well, Stefan Fry, talking about the money, talking about the honor. Sometimes it's more about the honor than the money, at least for you. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. And now, as promised earlier, let's go to our interview with Robert Pasikoff, president of Brand Keys, to talk about that fan loyalty survey that has Major League Baseball now ruling all U.S. sports. It's worth a listen, so enjoy it. My guest today is Robert Pasikoff, president of the New York consulting firm Brand Keys. And Brand Keys, every year, puts out a sports fan loyalty index survey which measures the loyalty levels that fan ha fans have both towards the major professional sports leagues and the teams themselves. 
that play in those leagues. And Brand Keys just put out its uh, sports fan loyalty index survey um, this past week. And what it showed was very surprising. It showed that uh, Major League Baseball has claimed top spot amongst the four major professional leagues here in the United States. It has claimed top spot. And the National Football League, which used to be uh, in first place, which has been in first place almost forever, fell all the way down to number three behind both baseball and basketball. So that was certainly surprising. So I wanted to have Robert Paskoff, the president, longtime president of Brand Keys, on with us to discuss this. Robert, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, and of course, you've been a guest on our show before, but uh, I wanted to specifically ask you about this survey because I've been getting a lot of really uh, strong response, positive f- feedback from readers on the, on the column that uh, I wrote earlier this week about it. And I wanted to ask you about this survey. Like, just how detailed is this stuff? Because I think people, people feel that, um, that, that, that you're just calling up a handful of fans around the country and taking some random survey that doesn't really get that scientific. I mean, how scientific, how much work goes into producing this annual study that you guys do? Oh, no, this is an enormous uh, quantitative study. I mean, for the leagues alone, uh, we, we're talking to close to 18,000 people. Um, we talked to um, 250 uh, self-declared both league and then local team fans uh, in each of the markets. So, you know, in baseball, you're talking about, uh, you know, 30, 30 markets. Um, it's, it's an enormous study. Um, and, it's, and from a, you know, research perspective, it's, the results are very, very generalizable to fan behavior. And, and, and you're, not uh, just, you're not just calling up random people out of the telephone book. I mean, you're going after, like you said, like, like basically avid sports fans of these t- particular teams. You, you're basically screening a whole bunch of people in advance, rejecting some and taking others, depending on the level of their fandom. Is that, is that a correct way oh. to put it? Absolutely. Um, You know, these days with the kind of access that people have to sports, it's hard to find someone who's only a baseball fan. Um, But we'll ask primarily, you know, which which sport they consider themselves fans for. And then we ask them who their, you know, who their team is. Now, if, uh, if a guy in Seattle tells me that his team is the Giants, he doesn't participate in the evaluation of the Mariners. I mean, they've got to be people who say, baseball's my, you know, number one sport, and for the, uh, the catchment area for Seattle, they've got to say that they're, they're, they're a Mariners fan. Right, because you're So not, we're you're... really doing a drill... We're doing a drill down as to the real fans for these teams. Because in the end, what you're measuring, you're not measuring, you know, how many more Mariners fans there are than Yankees fans out there or how many more MLB fans there are out there than NFL fans. What you're trying to gauge is the level of loyalty that these particular fans in these sport feel. I mean, that's what you're measuring, right, is how strong each of these self-declared fans of whatever team or whatever sport, how, how loyal they feel to that particular sport. And then you're comparing it to the loyalty of other fans with other teams and other sports. Exactly right. Um, this, is, this is how fans are engaged and then how they will behave better toward the teams. I mean, we, you know, we kind of define that on a behavioral basis of are they 
watching the you know on TV are they showing up for games at the stadium are they buying you know team licensed merchandise and the numbers correlate pretty well well i was surprised um, i was surprised when i looked at your, your latest numbers and i found that major league baseball fans are the most loyal they correlate they they relate more to those sports than do fans in in the NFL, which which surprised me quite a bit. I was surprised to see NFL had fallen all the way down a third. Just in a nutshell, why why are Major League Baseball fans now showing so much loyalty to this sport? When, when you know we've heard all kinds of things like the pace of game has to be improved. Uh, you know we're going to tinker with some of the rules to make it more appealing. It's too old. The, the fan base is too old. Uh, what 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 did you find when you looked at why Major League Baseball scored so high? Right. Well, what we're finding um, are that the the aspect of the history and tradition of the game, um, how people react to the game as part of their community, you know, but becoming more uh, more community based than uh, historically, um, uh, you know, institutional. Um, what we've been seeing, uh, you know, you couldn't possibly control this, is that the smaller markets um, are doing, have, the teams have been doing better in baseball. I mean, you know, would you have bet me a year ago that the Cubs were going to win the series? Um, you know, you just, you're seeing that, you're seeing that every place. Um, and, you know, as I, I, you know, as we spoke offline, I said, you know, I don't, I don't really get a chance to look at all the teams in all the leagues for all the diagnostics, but um, I could have bet you that, um, that what was happening in, in Seattle uh, was reinforcing all of the things that create the loyalty for a team and then also for a league. And I think you're just seeing that in baseball. Well, and, and, and you know, to further that point, I mean, I don't think anybody would argue that, that the city of Chicago is a small market, but I think your point is it's been a long time since the Cubs were actually there. It's been a long time since the Cleveland Indians, who, who lost to the Cubs in the World Series, were, you know, actually had a team in the World Series. I think we had the Kansas City Royals winning the World Series two years ago. We have the St. Louis Cardinals now perpetually being in the playoffs and, and and the Houston Astros as well, although that's a big market, but they they spent like a small market team for the longest time, and I, I think the rule changes in baseball, the two wild card teams have definitely created some of that excitement, and um, it, you know there's also been gradually gradual attempts by baseball to cap some of these runaway payrolls that we've seen in the game, and now you don't even have the Yankees uh, among the top, the, you know, in the top two anymore. Um, yeah, I pointed that out. I pointed that out to um, a colleague of mine here in New York, and, and and let me just say for your Seattle Mariners fans, you're actually talking to an old New York Giants fan. So, uh, you know, I have no vested interest, but I I said to him, the Yankees used to be the the team that everyone was talking about. It was, you know, now if they talk about the team, they talk about how badly it's done. Um, you know, and, it's, and I can't, well, I mean, you can go back a couple, three years now, but, you know, the Yankees always used to be in the top three. That's right. They were always and, in the, in the know, playoffs. They never, they, they, they went, I think, a decade and a half without missing the playoffs. And for a while there, they were in the World Series, winning it every year, or, or at least making it to the World Series every year. Now, you know, it's been, I think, uh, between 2004 when they lost, uh, between 2003, excuse me, when they lost to the Marlins and 
uh, I think they've been only they've only been uh, they've only won one one World Series since then. That was in two thousand nine, and they really haven't been back since. So it's it, you definitely I agree with you. You see that shift towards towards the smaller markets. I mean, what else is at play here? Do you think besides well, just a small market? You know, it, it is it is also you know what it comes down to. It's not just the win loss ratio. I want to you know everyone loves a winner, but. It is how a team is actually playing together, and I think that you know. If again, if you look at the at some of the smaller markets, you also you know look at the Mariners for God's sake. Um, I, I, you know, again, not an expert on your team, but I'd be willing to bet a lot of money that they did a lot better this year than they did a year ago. Well, they did. In and, fact, they uh, they won eighty six games last year. They made it to within a day or two of making the playoffs and the year before that they had won 76 games so there was a 10 game improvement plus a you know a lifetime's worth of improvement when it came to actually contending for something so i mean that certainly showed i think it showed in your survey as well right they were dead last i would say a year ago they were 30th out of 30 teams and this year they right. jumped up eight spots to number 23 which is pretty unusual i mean you don't see teams usually jumping that much in your survey do you no. usually it's a few spots no you don't because most of the time the movement comes from when they when teams make a playoff or they they're in the series i mean you can count on a, a bump from that but you can't count on moving up as many points as many places as the mariners did and, you know, again, if you start to look at the diagnostics, I mean, you know, did they play better? Yeah, they're, t- you know, 10 games ahead. Um, uh, you know, is, is the smaller market doing, you know, doing better for them and for the fans? The answer is yes. And if you look at, the, you know, you look at fan bondings, I mean, um, uh, who is it? Um, Secure did what? Well, what was he? What was his batting average last year? Was it over five hundred? Uh, who are we I talking? Mean, who, who are we talking about again? Sorry. About um, uh, Gene. Gene Segura. Yes, they just acquired yeah. him. Uh, yeah, that, that was a popular offseason addition. You know, and Robin. You've had Robinson Cano, yeah. and you've had. I mean, they have know, a lot of recognizable it, faces uh, compared to other teams. They, I would say, they have about three all-star, three or four all-star right. superstar slash caliber players. Felix Hernandez being another one, at least from a marketing perspective. Uh, you know, his and, talent slipped a bit, but but yeah, they definitely have the recognizable faces. And I think for the Mariners, what it's been is a synergistic move. I mean, you know, you you know, like I say, you know, you win a lot, you can move up a little. But when you start to be the team in the smaller market, no offense to Seattle, of course, but, you know, in the smaller market where you've got the players that the, fan, that, you know, that the fans look at and they admire and they respect, and, you know, there's a, there's a kind of, you know, Moebius strip, you know, this self-feeding philosophy, which is if I love the players, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy the, I'm going to buy the jerseys. Um, and that's what we see. Um, is and I, I again, this is something that I would be willing to bet a large sum of money on. I know baseball doesn't like betting, but um, I'll bet your attendance was up. I'll bet your TV viewership was up. And uh, yes, that, definitely, that only definitely, happens. Definitely, it only happens when fans are engaged. 
they, they are engaged, over, and they've always been. Those. They've always been engaged in Seattle towards name yeah. players, so to speak. They they've always come out to cheer to cheer the names. You know, whether it was Ken Griffey Jr., Randy Johnson, Ichiro. Um, the, the Mariners and Seattle fans in general have typically cheered for the names uh, as well as for the jerseys. I mean, they they are very impressed by star caliber players here. So, you know, I'm I'm expecting you continue this kind of um, of engagement level. Um, with you know, with the the local fans, uh, you know you're going you're gonna to move up to the middle of the list. That almost puts you where the Yankees have fallen down to. Speaking, I mean, yeah. you know, so it, it's an incredible, it's an incredible movement for the team. Well, I mean, in the Yankees' case, as you mentioned, I mean they they kind of had a drop off in that star caliber. Thing. I'm not saying the Mariners have an all-star caliber lineup. And let's face it, they're still only number 23 on your list. It's not like they're pushing into the top five. But they, they do have now recognizable star caliber players who have been here for several seasons. And, and I'm especially thinking of Robinson Cano and, and Nelson Cruz. You know, whereas the Yankees have gone in the opposite direction, I think, from what you're saying. They, they've seen a number of high-profile players uh, retire from baseball over the last several seasons. I'm thinking Mark Teixeira, you know, even A-Rod, who's never been a fan favorite, so to speak, is still a star-caliber player. And you've seen one after another a lot of these players leave the Yankees, and, and what they're left with is a team that's that's pushing to make 500 and, and to even be on the wild-card fringes for the last couple of seasons. Yeah, absolutely. And, so, and, you're going, you're going to, and, and this is not something that you can switch overnight. So I think part, you know, part of it has been um, it really does take time. I know that the marketers out there would like to think that if, you know, you drop some sort of wonder coupon or do some sort of, you know, promotion at the stadium that everything is going to change. But it is something that over time, I mean, that kind of movement, I mean, <laughs> the movement from being at the very bottom to moving up the way that the Mariners have done is, is just incredible. So let me ask it's you this question, incredible. since we're talking about moving down, uh, you know, a considerable amount or moving up a considerable amount. We'll look at the moving down part now. Let's talk about the National Football League. I mean, for years, that league has sat atop your survey at number one. Um, I think this is the first time in over a decade that baseball is now number one. But National Football League went from number one all the way down to number three, and I don't think that's a very usual happening on your survey. Well, uh, no, and I and I have to say that we double checked the data when we when we saw that. I mean, as, as you pointed out, baseball was number one ten years ago. I think that at one point they they tied with the um, with the NFL. Um, but the NBA is, uh, the, the, I'm sorry, the NFL has always been uh, kind of at the top of the of the list. Um, and you know, the, the thing is, is that you, you know, you talk the Super Bowl and you talk all the big numbers and you talk about the advertising. But I mean, the fact is, is that this is the second year. I mean, second year in a row that the the Super Bowl has failed to set any new records. I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, watch. watch. A lot of people watch just for the advertising. But, you know, um, and, you, and the pre-election ratings were down, too. So I don't know that, you, you know, that a lot of what's been in the press where they've turned around and, and said, well, the election cycle um, has 
has done something to depress viewership. Uh, that's not the pattern that we've seen, um, even as crazy an election cycle as we've as we've had. And you know, so your your the pre-election stuff was down twelve percent. Um, the uh, we're talking about TV. Ratings. We're talking about television ratings right now. They they were down twelve percent. Right, right. Um, you know, I mean, we can. You know, that's why because these rate the our evaluations correlate very highly with viewership, and so if you look at the um, uh, the you know year over year for the season, they're down nine or ten percent. I mean, they were down six or seven percent for the. Uh, the playoffs. I mean, this is not a pattern that we've, you know, that we've seen in a long time. But if you you turn around and you look at what's happening with um, with baseball, the numbers the numbers are up. And I and I, you know, I understand that there are concerns about uh, you know the speeding up the game and. Uh, you know, but the real players understand that this is a game of strategy as well, and um, you know, not necessarily just brute force and you know, and being able to to throw a you know a fifty yard pass. Um, uh, and and that, by the way, that's the reason that we screen the respondents on this the way we do, um, because there are very definite. Um, expectations that people who are see themselves as baseball fans have versus people who uh, see themselves as football fans. Let me, let me ask you a and, quick let me ask you a quick question yeah, on that sure. because that makes me wonder. I mean, baseball's got the oldest demographics of any sport. I think they're fifty three is the average age for a baseball fan. So if you're screening hardcore baseball fans who love the sport, who understand the nuances, understand the strategy, understand there's no game clock. I mean, aren't they going to tell you what what baseball already knows, that its older fans appreciate the game? But what about, you know, when we talk about them speeding up the pace of the game or Rob Manford trying to speed up the pace of the game, it's easy to look at your survey and say, well, well he's trying to fix something that isn't broken. But if it's only the, the, the baseball fans you're looking at right now and they tend to be older, would, you know, wouldn't it – isn't what Manfred's trying to do is go after the younger generations, the really young ones who may not have the attention span that the older people do? I mean, what, what, did you guys do any and definitive age breakdown on that? Actually, on kind we, of people? well, you know, it's interesting because you're, you know, you're from a marketing theory perspective, you're absolutely dead on. I mean, we look at um, at an age range of 21 to 60 years old. So this is all balanced out. Now, I, I have to admit, it, you know, you, you of the 250 people that we looked at, you know, in each one of the team markets, it's probably too small a millennial audience to pull out and say, okay, let's, let's look at this group versus another. Um, but, you know, that's a, that's a study, that's a study that the teams should be doing you know, the teams in the league should be doing on their own. I mean, we're looking at this on an overall basis, um, and if we have to, you know, if we have to be in field a little bit longer to find, you know, a 28-year-old who's telling me that he's a baseball fan and he's a fan of the Mariners, you know, we're out there doing it. Right. I mean, that's why the sample 
ends up being you know as as large as as large as it as it is and why this you know takes us months to do um because you're right i you don't want to be talking just to me let me you ask know, you let, let me let me ask you this that's not a good projection no, and you don't want to be talking to me either. I'm almost 50 as well. So, I mean, you're, you're getting up to an age where I know there's people half my age who, who might have different opinions than me. But let's switch sports again really quick because I wanted to get back to the NFL. I mean, that's quite a drop they made. And I'm wondering how, how much impact is the fact that we've seen now within a, a year or so, we've seen the Rams leave St. Louis for L.A. We've seen uh, the Raiders announce they're going to leave Oakland for Las Vegas, and we've seen the Chargers leave uh, San Diego, and they're going to move into L.A. at some point soon within the next two years. So, uh, And starting next year, they're going to be playing in a soccer stadium. So, I mean, what does that do to, to fan loyalty in that sport? How much does that – how much impact do you think that had on, on the results you've just seen where football fell from one to three? Well, I think, that, I think that that's part and parcel of how people see this as being a part of their communities. I mean, when – the decision is being made on, um, you know, a tax basis, or it's being made on a purely financial basis from the position of both the team and the league. How would you expect fans to feel? I mean, they they're they're absolutely being deserted, and the pattern has been that way uh, for the NFL for quite some time. Whether whether the whether it's just discussions about oh we're going to move teams or or their actual movements of teams, you don't hear that very much in in any in any of the other sports. I mean, you just it's just not it hasn't become the kind of you know big stamp you know big business kind of decision. Um, I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure that, that that some of the smaller market teams uh, in in well in all of the other leagues, you know, have, have at one point thought to themselves, you know, if I only were in New York or if I were only in L.A., um, you know, what's the decision being made on? It's not. It certainly doesn't take the fans into account. Well, and when football, you, go, you know what? We're moving to another city. And football has certainly been more recent in that. I think the last NBA team to move was indeed the, the Seattle Sonics, who moved to Oklahoma City. Supersonics moved to Oklahoma City. And I think in baseball, the, my hometown, the Montreal Expos, moved to Washington, D.C. in 2005. And then uh, prior to that, what sport are we forgetting? Hockey. I think you had the Atlanta Thrashers moving to Winnipeg. Oh, about five. It must be about five years ago or so. Um, but, yeah, certainly within the last half decade to a decade, it's been all NFL doing these kinds of moves. And, and, you know, and, and look, you know, we'd like to think, you know, the fans think of this as a sport. We're not looking at it from a business perspective. But, um, you know, you're taking a team from a place that is likely not getting the kind of fan support that they need. You know, it, it, it feeds both ways. Um, you know, this is the... This is the sports version of, you know, you, you hear more from yelling from the top of the hill than the bottom of a well. Um, you know, you do need to have a marketplace for yourself. But, you know, when you look at how these things have shifted, it's always, it always seems to be the NFL. 
And, I, you know, I think that that seeps down into, you know, into the roots of what builds engagement and what builds loyalty for folks. Well, let me, I mean, let me ask you this. You don't this see again. that with basketball. You, you haven't seen it. No, not, not, not for a while. No. What's, let me ask you this. Your, your company's been doing this survey now for 25 years. Um, you know, how do you use this information that you compile as far as running a business? How do you how do you use it in the business world? And when it comes to, I know you've done deals in the past with leagues, and, and I believe some teams like like who do you primarily sell this kind of information to as a consultant? Well, most of the time, what we're doing is dealing with the league. Um, I, you know, the local teams local teams have you know different kinds of concerns. Even though I have to say, even again, even though these ratings that we get from the fans generally correlate very, very heavily with uh, with viewership, attendance, you know, licensed merchandise purchase, the kind of behavioral data that we can actually see uh, in the marketplace. Um, you've got, you know, part of it is also, you know, managers need to manage. I mean, you know, one, one wonders, uh, you know, if there weren't a manager change with the Yankees, if, if something might, you know, something different from the perspective of how they play and how they win and, you know, who's being focused upon wouldn't, wouldn't shift either. But what this allows is uh, it gives you a kind of a clear focus um, as to where you really, really want to uh, you want to look in terms of the kinds of programs that you want to build for yourselves, um, and um, it can be very useful. And you know, I mean, a lot of times, you know, I, folks are looking at this data, at, you know, on a league level. And it's left to what was the win-loss ratio and how many people visited the website. And a little, that's little more not complicated. a really good measure. <laughs> a little more complicated than that. Robert Pasikoff, uh, it's been great talking to you about, about fan loyalty. I know you've been in this business for decades and, and have been a consultant uh, and, and, and are well-known in the New York area. So I'd love to th- thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been a fascinating talk. Jeff, my pleasure and any time. And that'll wrap things up for another week here on Hard Count. I'm Jeff Baker of the Seattle Times, reminding you that you can download this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And please, when you do, be sure to review this podcast so other listeners can hear all about it and tune in as well. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join me next week. 